And we're back. Yes, we are. A new episode of Food in the Hood. Yes, we just broke 10 episodes. We're on episode 11. <laughs> yeah, this is episode 11. That was pretty wow. exciting. Didn't know we'll make it so far. I feel like we say <laughs> that every episode. <laughs> right. It's like since now, every episode is achievement. I know. Uh-huh. <sighs> right. Yeah. So what do we got for this episode? So I think for this episode, well, we, we, we were kind of talking about academic labs in general and how um, they can be very international. You know, you have scholars and students from different places of the world coming together to work in one space. And then we started talking about different cultures and the challenges um, of working with people from different backgrounds. And then we started talking about working remotely. So we're like, okay, let's talk about remote work. Right, because academic labs are very international and even add on top of it nowadays you you don't have to be physically together to work right and that requires a lot of remote working and um talking on the chat a message well emailing or messaging and also these type of voice uh calling yep yep right 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 uh-huh so should we but do before a quick, quick try check in? Yeah, sure. Well, Ben, you were in you were in New Orleans again, right? You were there for the second time in a month. Yes, I was in New Orleans uh, earlier this week for a much smaller conference called um, American Society of Brewing Chemists. Yep. So this is a a, um, a specialized academic slash well, just professional in general, a professional society for. Um, beer lovers yes well for beer makers and brewers Mm -hmm. and um hop suppliers would go some of the equipment people will go and um yeah that's about it and some academics mostly actually industry research and they share those research in these meetings Mm -hmm. uh it was a three-day conference some um you know majority from the united states some surprisingly a lot of japanese people oh really yeah so uh since it's a beer conference there are a lot of beer like as- suppliers, asahi beer etc well japan is well known for asahi, some of their beers yeah. kirin is there oh, Sentai. yeah, yeah there are a lot of different mm-hmm. yeah you don't see kirin that much you yeah know, you see asahi a lot though Asahi's right, right. Asahi, like everywhere. You can see a lot of sushi places would have actually their cakes. Yeah. Yeah. So, and also a lot of British people from oh. Scotland. They so, like British cake. beer. Oh, Scotland whiskey, Scottish yes, whiskey. Yes. So, brewing and um, distilleries are very popular. Right. So, it was like a congregation of people who make alcoholic drinks from all over yes, the world. Exactly. And, and a few kombucha people, too. Oh, I feel like my roommate would have liked that. My 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 ex roommate used to brew her own kombucha. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah she has cool. like the scoby and everything. Yep. Mm-hmm. Actually, so that's that's getting popular. It is. People think mm-hmm. it's a very um, healthy drink, and like think about it, you'll buy it in the grocery store for like what three four dollars a bottle. It's it's a lot cheaper to make it at home. So people yeah, are very yeah, yeah. into it brewing is. their own kombucha. Mm-hmm. And now they're talking about. There's also a version of actual alcoholic kombucha. Wait, isn't kombucha already alcoholic? Well, what you can buy nowadays for most of them are less than 0.5% 
Yeah, that's true. So it's technically not an alcoholic drink. Mm -hmm. But um, um, I think either people argue that because you can get the actual traditional kombucha that can go up to four five percent alcohol content yeah that's that's like a light beer yeah yeah or even a regular beer (laughs) yeah 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 interesting some of the talks are you know are very sensory focused lots of gc work Mm -hmm. um people are understanding different parts of brewing in general for um you know ingredients a lot of hop peoples are there Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hop a lot suppliers. of raw suppliers would you yeah, say yeah, yeah. it's more um would you say the entire conference was quite scientific in nature or was it more sort of like a vendor meet supplier meet vendor sort of vibe to it no i think it's quite academic focused well not necessarily academics were there but scientific focus i should say right and has right. a lot of um different research going on internal people are willing to share some of the internal research hmm, interesting yeah i would have thought that would be proprietary oh well they are and there there are some parts that were not very specific but in terms of methods and what their approaches are some of the sessions are actually pretty um pretty in de- pretty in depth of uh, level of chemistry and level of overall just um knowledge of brewing Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you cool. bring in a lot of East people. East um, work with um, either uh, sequencing or with um, y- you know some of the PCR techniques. Oh wow! They were try- yeah, so they were trying to map some of those and do. I met a guy who who is doing some of the whole genome sequencing of of East uh, brewer. Yeah, brewer East and from right. specific brands of beer. And huh. He was comparing different type of they're, they're technically the si- same species. Uh, it's all Saccharomyces, but right. um, within that, it has a lot of variations. And because uh, um, if you're comparing it with a on the genome level, it definitely has a lot of interesting right. aspects right. going into it. And what he found was reckon. that yeah. yeah, 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 a lot of the actual uh, active brewer yeasts are smaller in, in genome size compared to some of the lab strains oh i didn't know yeah, that so so yeah. they they kind of leaning towards to that familiar environment of fermenting as opposed mm-hmm. to more of a traditional um standard strain that are used only in labs and growing media per se right right oh uh-huh. there's definitely a lot of interesting things in that area i think genotyping the different types of yeast use and then maybe even looking at what type of um volatiles are produced etc that's something that a lot of people will be interested in mm-hmm. yeah and yeah. i think this year is a smaller conference per se because um there's no exhibitions there are only oh. so there's no expo no booth just mm-hmm. um, sessions and social hours. Right, obviously right. There are a lot I of feel like that's donors. easier to get to. I feel like just having sessions and then social hours. I don't know. I, I, yeah, I feel yeah, like that's yeah. a good format. Or else it can get... I mean, it's good to have options, but as a first-time conference goer, having less options sometimes is a little bit less overwhelming. And like For with sure, scientific yeah. sessions, you can focus in on the things you really want to you know, learn about, etc. 
Mm-hmm. And the overall size of the conference is very small. It's probably less than five hundred people total. Oh, really? So that's it, fairly it small. Yeah. In one, yeah, it all happened in one hotel. Yeah, and so the ballroom and couple of other rooms were served as keynotes and also for sessions. So you probably see like the same few out. people, right? Like oh yeah, it's you a see small people crowd. a few times yeah, during the conference, yeah, yeah. which is a lot different than some of the bigger conferences. Right, I think IFT was. I think it might have been over ten thousand people this year, which oh, is definitely. huge. I think they were saying eighteen or something. Yeah, that's almost uh-huh. that. That's a couple mm-hmm. times bigger. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, definitely different vibes or different conferences. But yeah, so today we were just gonna talk about kind of working remotely. Yeah, um, well, as we're talking, we're also working remotely. For、yes. those who don't know, we're not physically together to record this. Yeah. So usually Ben is at Kansas State, and usually I'm in Ohio. But right now I'm in Minnesota, and you're in Flushing. Yeah.、Um, yeah. yeah. Borderline yeah. New York City. You can Google what Flushing is if you don't know what Flushing is, because、mm-hmm. it's a lot for us to explain. Right. 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 We don't right. have time. But,、um, right.、Yeah. So. We are、um, just gonna share a little bit of our experience of working remotely and how how that could also be、um, challenging, but also full of opportunities in different right. ways. Right. Right.、Uh-huh. What are some experiences that we have working remotely as grad students or、um, just in general? Right. Well, I think everyone knows the experience of, you know, maybe in undergrad having group work where you would meet up and discuss, but then you would also have to do stuff over a Google Doc or something and then、um, communicate. So, which way do you prefer? Platform. Do you prefer actually to meet, or you kind of don't care? Oh, you can just talk. I I definitely prefer to meet. I think initially, at least. Um, meeting to discuss things, I think, give you a lot more、um, information than just talking remotely or on the phone. But I do think that once you've established rapport, it's it's a lot easier to communicate just like via text or via phone.、Mm-hmm. Um, so one thing that I was thinking about was、um, when you're working remotely, right? A lot of times when you do communicate, it's specifically for the project.、Um, so. When you do talk, it's usually very task focused or goal focused. Whereas, if, you know, if you're just working on a project at work,、um, there's a lot more opportunities to just casually bump into people, and those、uh-huh. sort of water cooler moments.、Um, I feel like that's important for building rapport, especially if you're working on team projects, right? Right, because typically in school you only work for one class project, and it's. It's a、mm-hmm. fairly short and focused timeline, right?、Uh-huh. Right. So if we're talking about teamwork,、um, it's it's very much okay. Let's get this done, and then we'll each go our separate ways.、Mm-hmm. And whereas I think if you're permanently situated in a place and you keep bumping into the same people, you know them a little bit better. You have more rapport with them, and and I think. How well a team gets along definitely shows in their work. Yeah, and especially、um, in- working remotely, right? You can kind of get、yeah. the sense of how people are working, and you don't have to. You're familiar enough to not physically be in with them and also work really well. Exactly.、Yeah. 
Right. And I think that, like, Ben and I were doing this podcast remotely, but we have known each other since, was it sophomore, freshman I, year? I say I don't freshman know. year, but you say sophomore. But that's I always okay. think it's sophomore <laughs> year, but he thinks we met freshman year. But, like, the thing is, we've worked on teams before. We worked together on a, we used to be event coordinators for something called Small World Coffee Hour. Mm-hmm which is sort of like a cross-cultural um, group on campus. So I think because we've worked together, we kind of know each other's working style. Yeah. And fun fact. Um, so that when... even if, <laughs> So fun fact that we went through the same degree program in University of Minnesota, but we've never worked yeah. together on a class project. Ever, because Ben doesn't want me in his group. No, you're... You're too cool for other groups, right? Uh, no, 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 no. That's not true. <laughs> Don't spin the story. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, we've never actually worked on any group projects together yeah. outside of that event coordinating right, thing. Right, right, right. But now we're working together again for this podcast. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. And I think we have like a fairly good synergy because we're both people who are not super detail-oriented or control freaks. Oh, yeah, that's um, true. <laughs> Because I work with those types of people and it's kind of difficult sometimes. Um, But I think we're just kind of like, oh, go with the flow. Like we have an outline. Uh A lot of times we don't follow the outline exactly. No, we're we're weighing it. (laughs) Yeah, we're always weighing it. So that's that's a type of working remotely with people who you actually have met. But also you have another type of relationships are um, which you actually never have met these people. So you've only talked them mm-hmm. on the phone or seen on a webcam. You might have met them one or two times in a conference, um, but they're technically your collaborators for projects. Right. So they're work people that you have to work with, but you barely know them that well. Right, right, right. And they're not, say that they're not technically in your organization. They're a collaborator outside of your organization. So you see them less. Mm-hmm. And in this time, well, in this type of situation, for example, I have um, one of the one of the collaborators for our, our my my lab in Kansas State. She, she's French and she works yeah. for a French company that makes fluorescent spectrometers. And we partner together to okay. develop new methods. Oh, right. she is experienced researcher. Um, opened up her own company, but uh, we've never met. We've only met online and through webcams and that relationship is a little bit different to match what we have uh, from a a, a person that are closer to us day-to-day work Uh yeah and so we actually the interaction goes a little bit more with technology advancements because now you can you can do actually online presentations like a webinar we can share results and everything you can share your screens etc yes yes and a lot of times you can even do, um, you know, these live calls and share screens and talk over everything. And she can actually yeah. annotate and comment back in real time. So that feel like, oh, yeah, so, really so that cool. felt like we're in the, re- in the same physical location too, just without her mm-hmm. physical body presence. Yeah. Right. It's really amazing that, you know, all these things that we're doing to collaborate with people across the world, like we, we wouldn't be able to do it so easily, say 10 or 20 years ago. Right. No way. Can you imagine like 30 years ago, someone trying to collaborate to work on a paper with like someone in US and someone in Australia trying to work together, like figuring out the time difference, like figuring out 
I'm not sure if email That's existed. Possible, <laughs> right? And like you yeah, can technically still yeah. have someone to read over your draft, just sending an email with it. And I've seen that happen、yeah. a lot, also from the、um, working in the Apple Lab experience. So co-authors、right. from different growing sites, for example, Minnesota, Maine, Ontario, Canada, they were all. Uh, collaborate on these data, and people write this collective paper together. And there,、mm-hmm. there needs to be a lead author who、uh, produced the draft, coordinates everything. Yeah, who produced the draft、yeah. or get the outline out. And there is no Google Doc involved. I've never seen actually people all participate on one Google Doc like how students would、true. write. Yeah, you know how、yeah. students would write projects on Google Docs, and everybody、yeah. put their name next to it. I don't know why. Isn't that really weird? Why did it turn out that way? Is it just because of age? Like, do they just not? Are they just not familiar with Google I Docs? I think they are. They know what Google Doc is, but they probably have been doing the other way for longer time. For so long,、right. I mean that that that's so true because my my PI、um, back at Ohio State, he works with someone in electrical engineering, and they're putting together like a proposal, thirty page proposal,、mm-hmm. and they just sent it. They just send it back and forth. Yeah, right. And there's some. I think there's some other collaborators as well. But it, Google Doc would be a lot easier because my my professor one time he was. I mean, the other collaborator one time was just waiting for my professor to get back to him before he can move on with another part of the project. But I feel like it would have been easier to just do Google Docs. Right, right. Well, see, that's and and that's really, you know, version controls has its benefit. On oh, that's true. Google、yeah. Docs, right? Well, technically,、mm-hmm. you you are because each email is a new version of Word doc, so you can dig back to、yeah. see like different dates of work that's been sent over. But just for even、right. for comments, for example, if you have five people on a paper and each person has a different sets of comments, it needs to go in a third certain order if we're sending. Word right. docs, right? So it needs to be so the first person comment, the second person then comments on top of what the first person comments, and then you compile、mm-hmm. all the comments together back to the corresponding or the first author, whatever. And this person compiles、yeah. everything, and so it's it's kind of like、it's、an、really、internal review process. <laughs> I guess、uh-huh. so. Yeah. Yeah. It depends on how what's the level of collaboration and how much people actually contribute to writing. Uh-huh. Right, right. Well, what strikes me as interesting too is that the fact that you know collaborating is made so much easier now than say fifteen years ago.、Mm-hmm. There's also the additional pressure to work on something immediately、hmm. because it's so accessible, right? Yeah, like don't you feel the same?、Time. Yeah, everything is real time, so you you don't really have an excuse. You can't say.、Um, Yeah, I I'm not gonna work on it because I'm um like the, the the fact that it's so accessible also sort of people have the expectation that since you have access to that document all the time you should just be able to like make edits and work on it. Yeah. Versus,、uh-huh. you know, say twenty years ago, someone might send someone a draft by snail mail and like not expect to hear back until、hmm. like a month later. Yeah, but what do you think about the actual efficiency? Do you think people actually, in this way of real-time communication, actually produce more meaningful stuff, or this is just、um, 
you you know a, a, a way of doing things nowadays? Well, I guess it depends on the type of project, right? If we're talking about efficiency, if it's something that requires both parties to give their input quickly so that the other site can get on with their work, yeah, for sure, the edit. Um, I guess speed mm-hmm. of all these tools is definitely something that's helpful. Um, but the I do think there's also something sort of magical about getting something and working on it for a long time before sending it back, mm-hmm. right? Like let, let's say if if I sent you a draft and you edit my draft and you send it back in a month, um, well, I'm gonna look at it with fresh eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I haven't seen it in a long time, right? So the, and the changes I don't know. Are, it's hard to say. The changes are. A lot of incremental when you have real time access, right. right? You might just do like a tiny、yeah. bit of something people obviously pointed out, but then return、mm-hmm. it back quickly without looking at a lot. And well, it also depends on how much is the time actually spent on transferring that doc versus how much time that you、mm-hmm. physically、Working、held down it. to it. Yeah, right. Yeah.、Uh, so it's yeah. it's an interesting、um, interesting advancement. We're obviously not. Experienced slash old enough to comment on what people used to do stuff. Right. <laughs> people who are old enough, people who are like baby boomers,、yeah. <laughs> feel free to like chime in, email us, and tell us your experience.、Right. You email right, boomers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Should we have like a, a snail mail address? I don't know. We we have. A... Well, if they're listening to podcasts, I assume they figured their way out around the internet、yeah. and they know how to. For、email. sure. Yeah, so that's、yes. that's something. So, what are the challenges? We've talked about some of the benefits and how we have worked remotely. Yeah.、Uh-huh. What are some of the、uh, challenges that you've seen? Right. Well, personally, I think、uh, it's not so much an issue with someone you already know, but if you're collaborating with people that you don't really、um, you've never met, I think it can be hard sometimes to convey completely what you want to say in an email. Um, mm-hmm. It's hard to gauge from physical, like for, from written words alone, what someone else is thinking sometimes,、um, and there is that opportunity for misunderstandings to arise. Yeah, because the tone you can't. People are not familiar with. Yeah, you, you 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 like when you read an email, you assign a tone to that email subconsciously or not. You know,、mm-hmm. you read it out in a certain voice. But like, if you sent me that email, I kind of know where you're coming from. But if it's some someone I don't know that well sends me one, I'll be like, oh, is she? What does she really mean? Yeah, or <laughs> or what does he really mean? Exactly,、yeah. and I think this is a this even happens more with you know instant chats and for example Slack. Right, Slack is a group messaging app、oh. that startups should have or require to have if they want to be a startup. Yep. But same yep. same thing, right? You can you can have like a G chat or something that you use internally、mm-hmm. with with、uh, your collaborators or actually your coworkers. But there's no tone of it nowadays. A little better because you have emojis. You can like add emojis to、right. be like a lighthearted thing, and being really serious、yep. to sign like a really long text.、Yeah. Uh-huh. Right, but then you also wonder: Should I really be sending my boss a smiley? <laughs> right, exactly, and this creates a lot of difficulties、it's, just because we're not seeing、yeah. each other's face. Right, right. It's a new form of communication that I think we're trying to grasp、um, our minds about. Like, well, it's a new technology,、mm-hmm. and everyone's still trying to figure out like what's appropriate or, and and not. Like, I have people who like sending me smileys. 
uh, to convey that they're friendly in emails, but I've also had other people tell me that if someone sends them a smiley, they won't take that person seriously. So oh, it's really, that's true. it's a mixed bag. I don't know. And there are more than just yeah. smileys nowadays, right? You can actually insert I mean, there's everything. emojis of, yeah, of anything. GIFs, etc. Yeah, but then, yeah, have you seen people actually include memes in their emails? Well, no. Well, actually, yes. Uh-huh. Well, not really like a work work email, but like a work group, not part of like professional life, but part of student group work. Yes. Mm-hmm. Are people you're more like I have had people with? sign off an email. Yeah, it's like all students, so it's a little bit more lighthearted. So I think no one really cares mm-hmm. if it's a meme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, I think that's that becomes more common as people are more familiar with the meme culture overall. Yeah. yeah. But I don't know because a lot of a lot of see like working remotely you're all about they're they're like at least a 20 percent guessing game in there because you're oh, guessing yes, for sure how people are perceiving your, your your message and also how you would you know how how long they will get you back uh-huh. right you have to take that all into consideration yeah 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 and if I'm talking to someone at work, I just say it mostly without having to think through it twice. Mm-hmm. But if I'm writing an email or a chat, because I know it's a written record and I know someone could, like, I, I really want to be very clear yeah. with my words so people understand what I'm actually trying to say. Mm-hmm. Like you, you think twice, right? If you write an email, you'll probably reread it at least once or twice yeah, yeah, before yeah. you send it out. But if you're talking to someone, I don't think, I mean, at least mostly i don't have to think about it twice i just say what's on my mind right right. and that even works for calls right because you're not recording most of the calls so once you say something it just kind of disappears in the air because calls are a bit harder to get on because you have to schedule and you can't just especially if if you're not physically together in the same place you have to schedule consider time differences and everything to get on the call yeah and typically calls are more efficient i'd say because you have instant i think so yeah instant back and forth so if you have a question you can ask directly and get an answer you don't have to like wait for the next round of emails Mm -hmm. to be like oh by the way i forgot to ask etc etc yeah yeah yeah. and that's what kind of leads into the opportunity parts i feel yeah where are the opportunities for collaboration now that we have all these tools Uh, at our fingertips right 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 Um, so it definitely has a bigger network overall for sure yeah Yeah. and you kind of accumulate yeah do you want to talk a little bit about your honey crisp collaboration yeah 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 and the opportunities you find well because i was only a undergraduate researcher even though um, i was included as an author on the paper i was not writing too much in the in, in in the whole paper i was only responsible for a few subsections under the material methods and right. making like basic one one to two <sighs> figures um but mm-hmm. what i found is that you know working remotely definitely creates a more credible or more fruitful paper for our study because now you can have mm-hmm. different growers and you can compare across to see different growing sites effects on the certain fruit qualities or where we're studying uh, post-harvest disease and to see how these disorders 
are different from uh, you know different sites of different sites of the grow uh, different growing locations and that that's really cool right. you can't do that um, quite easily as it is today than maybe 15 20 years ago and mm-hmm. the growers or the researchers from different locations are long-term collaborators already so they know each other quite well professionally they might not have mm-hmm. seen each other a mm-hmm. lot probably only during the right, annual meeting. Right, but they work together. Yeah, they're working together <laughs> for a long time. And that kind of yeah. that kind of adds on top of these opportunities is that they know each other's working style and they can spark on different project ideas as they're working alone. Right. So they're right. they're working alone thinking on their own projects, but they can bring in different talents. So this goes back to that network thing, right? They were saying, oh, some people has this instrument in their lab. So maybe we can collaborate and see I can ship fruits over to them and they can do the that part of the study. And we uh, we can propose another project and answer it more coherently. Right. Yeah, for sure. I think the the, what you said about um, having sort of that network of expertise, Mm -hmm. um, even if they're not necessarily in the same location, just having a sort of mental catalog of, okay. Um, person A is really good at this. Person B is great at that, and they also have this brand new instrument. Um, and and being able to collaborate is something that is really amazing. Yeah, for sure. And this is what I think working remotely empowers these type of network. Right. Otherwise, you're limited to right. people in your institution or nearby institutions. This really expands your network worldwide for sure like geographical location is not really a limiting factor in that sense no um and i mean it's the same with well right now i'm interning at pepsico Mm -hmm. and you know we have we have people in r&d locations over many different states um but a lot of time there there are opportunities for collaborations and you know sometimes you i mean like someone who is a thousand miles away mm-hmm. um, and someone that you can't talk to directly but is very available via video call or messaging um, can give you a lot of insights. Like right now I'm working a project and I need a lot of expertise from an analytical chemist about my protocol. And, you know, honestly, being able to talk to him, like being able to just email him and he emails me back like within the hour each time yeah. is really, really, really helpful. I, I would say it probably shaved like 50% off the time I would have to <laughs> use to make that protocol otherwise. You know, just having that really smart person on the line, um, mm-hmm. you know, I think that's something that's making everything a lot more efficient as well. And that kind of tech support is there for a long time in the analytical instrument service part right because rarely would you have someone actually come on site to fix or troubleshoot some instrument very very right right. especially in expensive yeah especially in academic settings you you're probably gonna jump money is tight you're probably gonna jump on some kind of calls or even video chat and you can yeah and you're not using your built-in at least in our lab we don't use our built-in laptop webcam we actually have an external yeah. webcam so we can film oh, actually wow. part of that instrument. <laughs> What's yeah, going yeah, yeah. on? And, and show them in real time of what what happens. Yeah. And they prefer these too because oh they're reducing, at least some companies are reducing their service team. And 
yeah. recruiting people um, on their headquarters or somewhere that's a bigger team with a, a, a more a, right. a more integrated expertise, so they can actually yeah. doing all of these video calls and helping people from far away. Yeah, I mean, from from a company standpoint, like the service company, they also save a lot of overhead. Um, I remember calling. Agilent tech reps, um, their their engineers, etc., for many problems I had trying to get our GCMS to work, and then sometimes we we'll just get to talking. And a lot of them actually work remotely from home. Hmm. Interesting, right? They don't even go to work. Yeah, they just work from home. But I'm like, oh, how do you know, you know, like where this part of the instrument is, etc.?、Mm-hmm. Um, but Agilent actually has like this this sort of. Aerial map of their instruments that goes into like oh th- these are the different models, and in each different model this is how the parts work. So the engineers essentially they can stay at、hmm. home and talk to me on their Interesting. phone. Interesting. So they have some kind of yeah, like a blueprint of the instrument or something like that.、Okay. Yeah, I don't know if I've had use if you've used Agilent instruments, especially the newer ones. Not the newer they, ones. Definitely. There's actually <laughs> okay. They the, some of them have this like little schematic, like a 3D thing that you can rotate around, so you can find all the different parts, the、oh, part numbers, like a, how everything fits together. Like a render. Like the... a 3D. Yeah,、uh-huh. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's really helpful、um, for both us and for the service engineer. So this engineer. is on HPLC、um, or what? Well, this is for my GCMS, but I'm guessing they probably for their have、wow. this for their HPLC as、Fancy. well. Fancy. Okay. Yeah. I I sound、yeah. I probably sound like a person living in a cave, but I have now received these. <laughs> no.、Uh, <laughs> I mean, it, it, we, that's a fairly new machine we we have. So. Okay, so they can, but they don't have the access to your machine, right? This is like a generic. Um, render. Yeah, yeah, the- is a generic render.、Okay. They can't come in and well, technically, we technically we have internet hooked up to our computer, which is hooked up to our GCMS.、Mm-hmm. So I've had instances where、um, I'll call an Agilent rep, and they're able to physically remotely control my computer. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So、I've、they done, can come、I've、in and、that. see all my、uh-huh. parameters. Yeah. So that's another type of working remotely. Just like here you、right. go, take over. Share my screen and、yes. share my yep, access. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, we've had an instance where I think one of our Agilent instruments broke down.、Mm-hmm. So、um, one of our PhD students actually originally wanted Agilent to come over and fix it, but they will have to charge us the Agilent. Um, service person, yeah, flight tickets, hotel、yeah. fee. So it was gonna come out to like a couple thousand dollars, and she's like, "eh, no." <laughs> so、yeah. she just bought the part, and then she fixed it herself by talking with them on the phone, which came out to like eighty dollars for the、wow. part, which is not that、mm-hmm. bad. Yeah. So I was like, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. working remotely does have its benefits,、mm-hmm. and this is really, I think. The benefit of again technology and how these parts are, and they design this instrument with the remote controlling part in mind, because they pre-install、right. like Team Viewers and all that different softwares, so they can actually、yeah. access your computer. And they,、mm-hmm. um, I don't know, this works better with software issues, right? Because if it's hardware, I, yeah, you have to,、um, it's a lot of harder. To do it on the computer, hardware you have to be able to like physically imagine and explain to the other person on the line, like do this, do that, which is complicated.、Right. Um, well, that's that's kind of also working remotely, so that you can work smarter and cheaper. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of companies are letting their、um, employees telecommute more and more, just because it saves them money. They don't have to commute; they're happier, etc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. About not having to commute, so it's happening all across various industries. But I do think for you know, if you're working in a lab, it's a little bit harder to like.、Oh, I'm just gonna work from <laughs> home today. Right, right, right. I'm just gonna imagine my PCR reaction running itself. Like, no, is that no, what you've you been have doing recently?、Lab. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. This because this should be part of a bit of formal training in it, to some sense. Yeah. Um. Just to like have our topic come back to the loop is that we kind of learn these as we go. I think many people have、yeah. done that just as they go. There's no right. There has been no formal education. Right, right, right. And there's no training curriculum, especially telling people how to work remotely. I think this is a bigger area nowadays, though. For a, for example, undergraduate class, or if you were actually taking classes online, this is essentially how you would work for that whole class. Right.、Uh-huh. That's right. And there, there might yeah, be some、I、orientation mean, if you're actually taking an online degree. Of how to interact and work、mm-hmm. because that's what food science. There's a online master's option for food science in Kansas State, which、okay. you take all the classes online. So it's a course-based master's degree. So you don't do research unless you want to.、Mm-hmm. Um, you can do that, but that's like very rare compared to the other course-only option. So actually, we worked with some of these online masters、uh, because some of those classes were a collaborated class between the online and the on-campus program. So these students、mm-hmm. will be our partners、um, from various places in the U.S. and they we Zoom call and we develop projects just like how we would do actually, but they're actually. Pretty good at、um, working remotely compared to the on-site students alone. Oh, really? Yeah, because they're actually on top of things, and they share、yeah. calendar invites. They do very much things, you know, Zoom links and everything very promptly. Oh, okay. Because they rely on it, right? Yeah,、uh-huh. and I'm guessing they have a lot more experience with it as well because they do. They have to do it for essentially every single class. Right, right, right. right. And actually, yeah, that class I took was a, a fairly advanced class. In their、right. degree program, yeah. So I would say it's something that you know, it's it's something that you gain experience at as you move along. But maybe something where a little formal education won't hurt either. Right. Exactly. I think it's it's really interesting. I, but they they probably did it by practicing and just taking a lot of different classes. But、yeah. I feel I don't know where like a freshman orientation or some kind of. Professional development class or a grad、mm-hmm. seminar class could include、yeah. these type of things. For、right? sure, I、you、was can... talking to a friend, and she mentioned that you know maybe a class on email etiquette will actually benefit a lot of people.、Um, like、mm-hmm. emailing people, it's a skill. Yeah, like keeping、right. your messages concise, but also driving your point across and knowing who should I CC. Like who's、mm-hmm. the appropriate person to CC? Should I really CC this person?、Um, I feel、right. like those are 
things that are kind of unspoken. Mm-hmm. Um, For sure. But yeah. at the same time, even if there's formal formal education, a lot of time these things are not set in a stone. A lot of times, I feel like it depends on your manager or your team culture or your organizational culture. Um, so yes, I agree. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so there's there's some there's there should be some kind of general foundation that's built for everybody, and you right. add on top of what you learn from specific people that you work with or work for. Right. Uh huh. Yeah. And that together would come up with a more coherent plan for working remotely for the younger generations. Who knows what's gonna come up, right? Yeah. Like like Who a knows? like a different type of technology might revolutionize everything. Maybe we we'll just all said. get like. Yeah, like Google Glasses or whatever, and we just have to like press a button and see someone instantly. Yeah, like, right. Hmm, what does that mean like for hello, working? Actually, that's hello graphics. Yeah, How you can holographics and that see sort a of stuff. 3D image of a person. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, we just got sci-fi again. <laughs> <laughs> got a little distracted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's about it for today. Yeah, that's a. That's a pretty yeah. It's I, I think it's good. It's pretty concise, and um, should yeah, should we give yeah. the a little preview of our our project with the nutrition? Oh yeah. yes, for sure. So uh, for one of our next episodes, maybe the next one, maybe one further down the road, we wanted to address um, a very common issue we've seen pop up, especially around our friends and family. Um, a lot of times when we say, oh, we're, we're studying food science, people think that we are selling you nutritionists or um, specialists on what people should and shouldn't eat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would say we are fairly distinct from nutrition. Or chefs. And, oh, I, or chefs. <laughs> people think we're, you know, in culinary arts right. or something. And there's like, there, there are some overlaps. Um, by what I would say, it's still a very different discipline. Mm-hmm. So probably one of our next episodes will address that. I think that's something a lot of people who are not in food science are curious about. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So that yeah. would be, there are many, many people who work within the scope of food. So we're trying to get some guests on the show, actually, to to discuss yeah. the different type of working. We have a friend yeah. who double majored in food science and nutrition. Uh-huh. Um, do you know who I'm talking about? Uh (laughs) Yeah. And I actually brought up the idea to him and he's like, I'm too shy to go on your Uh, podcast, but I will give you my opinion. (laughs) We can have the opinion first and maybe we can find some others. Yeah. So we can do Uh that for sure. We'll see what's up. All right. So a standard outro that we do that never Uh, actually got included. (laughs) I've been cutting. Do we have an outro? I've been cutting off most of the outros and just let it sink. Why? I don't know. (laughs) I feel like we should. Maybe because we're not great at our outro yet. We need like a good outro. But anyways, you can find us on different type of podcasting platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Anchor, all over. And um, we can email us at fahpodcast at gmail.com if you have any questions or comments and yeah so go listen to other episodes if you want